0: Several weeks ago, we started a new series called Running with the Giants. The series is taking us through the Old Testament, and our roadmap is a chapter in the New Testament called Hebrews 11. It's the Hall of Faith, the heroes of the Old Testament. This morning, we arrive at the person of Abraham. And I heard about a new smartphone app this week, and I think if Abraham were alive today, he would love this app. The app is called Wanderous. Wanderous. Check it out. Uh, it's it's a a GPS map, um, but it's got a twist to it. Let me read you the uh, explanation. It says, "Give Wanderers a destination, it will tell you how to get there, uh, with a twist. The route Wanderus suggests will wander to scenic parks, notable landmarks, bustling city corridors, and entertaining attractions. It's about the journey, not the destination. For locals and travelers, get outside and take the first step, a step towards the unknown, towards new experience." towards adventure now this app is like built for abraham because the story goes like this abraham was getting along just fine older guy spending his twilight years probably doing what he's done for a long time and god shows up and says hey go and changes everything about his life around only god doesn't give him very many details he just says "Go." And Abraham spends the uh, end of his life basically wandering wherever God will lead him. How funny is that? I think Abraham would have loved the app called Wanderous. God showed up and sent him on a great adventure. He steered him to a new land which was completely unfamiliar and didn't give him very many details. We're going to spend four weeks with Abraham because he's one of the greatest names in the Bible. And let me ask you a few questions to see if your life, Might be blessed by Abraham's story. Question. Do you feel like God is redirecting your life in some way? Do you feel like God is asking more of you now than he has ever asked before? Do you feel like it is taking God a long time to get where he's leading you? And you're beginning to grow impatient. Hey, if the answer is yes to any of these questions, Abraham is going to jog up alongside you for four weeks And he is going to help you run the race with endurance that is set before you. He's going to encourage us to walk by faith. And the simple message from his life this morning is this. Go. Wherever God is leading, whatever he is demanding, however long it's going to take, he would say, go. And let's pray and then we'll hear his story. Father, I just love each week visiting some of these Old Testament heroes and Lord, you're the one who wrote their stories, and this morning encourage us in our walk of faith through Abraham. Show us what it means to follow your order, your command, your, your beckon to go. Show us, Lord, what it means to, to be after your voice and to arrive at the place of your choosing. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, which is where we're going to be. Coming off of a week where we heard the story of Noah, Uh, now we're moving on to the story of Abraham. And Abraham's story is found in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Beginning there, it says this. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, okay, now that that might throw you off, but it's not a misprint in your Bible. Abraham's name was actually Abram. Uh, and then God gave him a new name later called Abraham. He does that just to throw preachers off, because I'm totally going to trip up and say the wrong version, like at least 10 times. But, and if you want to throw your kids off, just rename them halfway through their life, okay? <laughs> now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. All right, now this uh, is also reported in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 and 9. We'll put it up on the screen. But here's what it says in Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. All right, here's the first principle of faith that comes from Abraham's life. You can jot it down in your bulletin. It's this. When God calls, I must go by faith. It's when he calls that I have to respond and go by faith. Now, sometimes God says go, and sometimes he says wait. Maybe some of you are being told wait right now. Hey, guess what? Next week is going to be the sermon that speaks directly to you, because next week Abraham hears God saying, wait, all right? But this week he says go. God told Noah to go under the ark. God told Moses to go confront Pharaoh. He told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He told believers to go make disciples. Basically, God will lay a demand on your life saying, I want to relocate you, so go. What's interesting is the Bible says that Abraham was 75 years old when God showed up and said, go. 75 years old. And it says in, in the Hebrews verses we just read that Abraham went and he was basically a tent dweller the rest of his life, all right? Now, how many of you would, if I challenge you to do it, would call up somebody in their 70s this week and invite them to go tent camping this weekend? How many of you would do that if I... <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean cheating with the RV. I mean putting up the tent, sleeping on your back, and enduring the elements, whatever they may be. Hey, you would have stories to tell. If you took a 75-year-old couple tent camping this week, trust me. And then if you ask them, hey, hey, Would you like to spend the rest of your retirement in a tent? No way! So think of what God showed up and demanded of Abraham. Hey, go to this land that I'm going to show you, and by the way, bring a tent with you. Wow. But when God calls, I must go by faith. And it's interesting what the Bible emphasizes about what Abraham did. It says he left behind. Everything that was familiar to him. God said to him, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. There's two nuances attached to this first point that we want to bring to the surface. You can jot this down. Hey, when God calls, I must go by faith, even though I leave everything behind. All of it. Doesn't matter the cost. We must go. And this, this nuance really, Abraham really portrays salvation by leaving his country behind. Okay, it's as if God said, I'm going to use Abraham to act out what salvation is like in his life. What do you mean? Well, you see, he was worshiping other gods. It says in the scripture that he and his father and his family, they did not worship the one true God. And so here God calls to Abraham and says, go to a place where I will show you. And hey, do you know that God has to make Himself known? If He doesn't disclose Himself, if He doesn't call, no one can be saved. We can never find Him. We could traverse the entire earth and we would never stumble upon this truth. God has to make Himself known. And God initiated and said Abraham and called Him out of what? Of of worshiping false gods. and To what? To following the one true God into a land of promise. He's leaving it all behind and Do you see that that is, if you're a child of God, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, that's what you went through. There's a point in your life where God called you out to a land of promise. He's portraying salvation by leaving everything behind. When you are saved, there's a transfer of residency spiritually. You become a tent dweller passing through this world looking for your home which is in heaven. What does Scripture say about this? Well, in Colossians 1, 13-14, you may want to jot that verse down as a reference. Colossians 1, 13-14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hey, do you know what that means? That means that God says you're born into this realm, and He calls it the realm of darkness. That's your native land. You're a citizen of that. But there has to come a point in your life where he calls you out of that and it says he delivers you into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's called salvation. And was there a point in your life where that happened, where God called you out of darkness and you left it behind and you entered into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ? Philippians three nineteen to 20 is also a great reference for this concept. There's only two lines of people entering into eternity, and here it describes both of them. It says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, salvation is spiritual relocation. God calls you out of darkness, and he places you into the kingdom of the Son he loves, and then... Your citizenship is sealed in heaven. If they opened up the book and they were like, all right, we're going to do a little audit here, and we're going to do a census, and we're going to see, you know, is your name in there? Either you've got citizenship in heaven or you don't. And there comes a point in your life where you gain citizenship in heaven through faith in the Lord Jesus. Hey, has that happened in your life? And you can't say, oh, well, yeah, I was raised Christian. I mean, I've been a Christian since I was born. No, maybe your parents have citizenship in heaven, But you have to gain citizenship in heaven when the Lord calls you out of darkness and you, by profession of faith and baptism, show that this is your faith as well. Hey, listen, Abraham acts out what every child of God experiences. He left everything behind. He was saved. I can tell you my story. I was a freshman in college and uh, was not a believer in Jesus Christ, but God went to work on me. I was a rough-around-the-edges kind of guy. This is me. I was a, a drummer in a heavy metal band. You see that? And that's my, that was my girlfriend at the time. Her name is Lauren. We were dating and she really wanted to date the bad boy. So she dated the bad boy. And, you know, God's up there like, he's going to be a pastor. But, you know, (laughs) go ahead. Hey, teenagers, date the bad boy. Just watch what God does. But there's me. And I showed up at this church and the pastor preached the word of God and I heard the gospel. and, And finally, I knelt beside my bed and said, hey, i Lord, I repent of my sins and I call upon you as Savior and God saved me. Uh, Hey, has that happened to you? Do you have a story of a time when you gained citizenship in heaven because God called you to his kingdom? Well, hey, when God calls, I must go by faith, even though I leave everything behind. And the second sub point is this, even though I see nothing ahead, (laughs) it says... It says that Abraham did not know where he was going. Maybe, you, wives, maybe your husband gets in the car and drives and there's very frequently this occurrence where he does not know where he's going. And he won't admit it. Okay, this is an ancient problem, we find. Because here you've got thousands of years you know, before Christ and you've got a husband who on foot doesn't know where he's going and his wife is just going along. Where, do you know where you're going? I have no clue where I'm going. But here we go. So like first, Abraham showed us a picture of what it means to be saved. And now he's showing us, he doesn't know what's in the future. He's showing us a picture of what it means to walk by faith in Christ to an uncertain future. So he's modeling what it means to walk with Christ. Um, Do you feel this way? Do you feel like, like God, I really don't see where you're taking me? Like, I have a whole lot of questions that I would really like you to answer, but you're not. And I really don't know with this new turn, this new change, this new direction, I really am not sure how it's going to all work out and where you are leading me. Hey, do you feel that way? You feel like God is definitely steering you in a new direction. He's not giving you all the information you'd like. Isn't this how we go with God? Like, I mean, in theory, we would like him to be directing our lives, right? But it's like we're in the car and, and, you know, we really like to drive. But then we understand that God would prefer to be controlling our direction in life. So we just kind of slide over into the passenger seat, right? Where if we need to, we can reach over and grab the wheel if God is not being responsible in his driving, right? And there's that teacher breakdown there, right? And at any moment, we want to stop God from doing what he's doing. Uh, And we relinquish a little control to the Lord, but we're still kind of, and then maybe if we trust him and he takes us to some good places, maybe then we'll go to the back seat and then we'll just backseat drive him. You know, I'm not sure if I like that. And in prayer, oh, Lord, how come you did that? We're not really driving, but we're letting the Lord know what we think about his driving. Okay, and then what happens as the years go on, if we let him, what happens? Wow, we stand back and we're like, God had some navigation technology that is vastly superior to our own. And I was so afraid, and he got me here. Well, wow, God is a better driver at my life than I am. Huh. And then he turns the wheel again, and we're like, wait a minute. And we want to jump over and grab it. Isn't this the way we go with God? Even though we don't see what's up on the road, we struggle to trust him and to let him guide us. This is where Abraham was. I can't see where God is leading, but I'm going to go. I think it was back in 2004 for, for me that I, I feel like I look back into 2004 as the time that God really drastically redirected our lives. And I was a school teacher then. Lauren was staying home. Our second child was just born. So perfect time for a career change is after you have your second baby. Trust me, it'll just feel right at that moment. And here I'm a school teacher in the public schools and so, you know, like, once you get tenured in the public schools, you practically have to like kill somebody to get fired. And if you're in the Chicago public schools, they'll even let you keep teaching in there. But let's just say that it's like a secure job, right? And here the Lord begins to call me into ministry. Lauren and I are discussing this and well, God's made it clear. He wants me to enter into ministry. You're staying home and we have two little babies to feed and the church we were a part of had about 140 people. And they, they said, hey, we feel like God wants us to hire you. Um, and we, we did the math, and we can pay about half of your salary. But we still want to hire you. And uh, we were like, okay. And I said, well, I really don't have any like Bible training. And they're like, okay, we should probably go to Moody and get some education at Moody Bible Institute. And I was like, okay, I'd love to. I don't know where that money's going to come from, but Okay. I mean, we were stepping into a future filled with uncertainty. We didn't know if the first paycheck was going to go through. And um, all the fears and all the, they they were all based on nothing. Because we stepped into ministry, left teaching behind, and the church stepped up and people began to give more sacrificially and we never missed a paycheck. Few families came to us. We never asked anyone. They came to us out of nowhere and said, oh, you're looking to get some training for Educate, for Moody, for, uh, you know, hey, here, I'm going to write a check. Here's your first year. Just go get it done. And then come back next year and we'll talk. I mean, God took care of the whole thing. But not until we took the step of faith and crossed over. And I, I guess I just wonder, are you in a position where God is demanding something of you? He's calling you to take a step of faith into an uncertain future. And are you saying, alright Lord, show me how it will work on paper and then I'll go. Hey, you're going to fail a test of faith. If you demand that God give you all of the information, remove all uncertainty, trust me, I'm one of you. Okay? Like if God called me you know, to go overseas, I'd like Him to pave the ocean first so that I have a nice, straight No bumpy ride, okay? I'd love to remove all uncertainty from decision-making. Maybe that's you, but God here shows us through Abraham that he went, even though he saw nothing ahead. Well, maybe not nothing. The Bible actually says that the reason Abraham followed is because he was looking at what is unseen to the eye. Hebrews 11.10, we'll put it up on the screen here. Let's read this together. Here we go. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Why would he dwell in tents? 75 years old, what's he doing roaming around the desert? You know, this world, he realized, is not his home. And he wants to be where God is. He's following God all over. And ultimately, he wants to be where God is forever, which is heaven. He's looking ahead past all of this. He's looking ahead to what? to eternity with God, and that's the basis of his step of faith to follow the Lord. I'm not really from here. I'm not anchored here. I don't need to be here. I just want to be where God is leading me. That's the heart of faith. Hey, when God calls, I must go by faith. There's a second point that we see from Abraham's life. Jot this down. Go believing firmly in God's promises. When God calls, I must go by faith, but go believing firmly In his promises. Okay, let's check this out in Genesis 12, verses 2 to 3. He says this, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Alright, first thing God does here is, He says, if you believe my promises and you go, you're going to be blessed. And there's three things that God says a blessing upon Abraham. Alright? The first thing is, He says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Then He says, I'm going to bless you. And then He says, I'm going to make your name great. Here's what we learn. We learn that God is saying, blessing follows obedience. If you go on this road I'm calling you, my blessing will be upon you. So jot this down. Because blessing follows obedience. Hey, go believing firmly in His promises because blessing follows obedience. Well, what kind of blessing? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? Selfishly we wonder that, don't we? If I follow you, what's going to come? Well, the first promise isn't all bad. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Like how many of you have started your own country? Show of hands. Raise your hand up. Started your own country. Yeah? Nobody? Okay, we'll put that on your bucket list and let's see if you can get her done. Because Abraham got it done. God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. What would you call a country named after you? That would be kind of cool, right? Founding father of a nation, like, you know, Ryan-topia, or, you know. I don't know. First promise out the gate is pretty impressive. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Wow. Second, and I'm going to bless you. What is that? That's just a catch-all. Wealth, provision, watched over. It includes an ongoing variety of blessings. I'm just going to keep. Blessing you as long as you stay on this road. Uh, Third, I'm gonna make your name great. It'd be cool to be famous for something, right? Like you're the that guy, like you're famous for that. I I read a cool story about a guy who got into the Guinness Book of World Records, and it's because he has the world's tallest mohawk. Check this out. It's real award-winning, record-breaking Mohawk. It says a Japanese fashion designer has entered the Guinness Book of World Records for growing the world's tallest mohawk he's 40 years old it takes him two hours to do his hair huh huh anybody want to try and catch him go for it maybe your name could be famous because you could have no that's silly right but how cool would it be to have a great name and to be known for something and uh abraham we're still talking about him today like several nations came from this guy's lineage like he's still famous Three major world religions, Islam and Christianity and Judaism, trace back their roots to him. Wow, wow, wow. And God was going to do it. Hey, we learn that blessing follows obedience. Abraham stands here as a contrast to what we read a few uh, earlier in Genesis, the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that story? When all the peoples of the earth gathered together and they started building the world's tallest tower. Why? Why? To make a name for themselves. I mean, Literally trying to work their way into heaven. And God came down and stopped that building project. Right? Adada, adada, adada. Instantly gave them all different languages and spread them out across the globe. And here comes Abraham and what? He's going to have a great name. Why? Not because he's making it for himself, because God is going to give him a great name. Spiritual lesson, I cannot work my way to heaven. I cannot gain favor in God's sight. He's got to come down and give it to me. Wow, learning about the gospel way back in Genesis. And what we learn is this. If you want God's blessing upon your life, you cannot veer from what He has promised and declared. Listen, Abraham's going to get thrown in the penalty box a few times in the coming weeks because there's times where he gets off of the path God has called him. Okay, you ever been thrown in the penalty box by God? You've gotten off of his word and you, you jumped over the seat, started redriving your life and bam, you hit. And God throws you in the penalty box to what the Bible calls discipline you that you might share in his holiness. And Abraham's going to have to learn a few lessons the hard way. Okay, I've had to learn several lessons the hard way. But my heart breaks as I meet with people throughout the week and do counseling at our church. And there, time and again, people just are convinced that if they want to be blessed and find happiness and a more secure life where their needs are met and they tell me their are it is totally off of God's word. And I say, you are not going to be blessed. You are not going to find happiness. You're, you are not going to be secure if you get off of the safe trail of God's word. But they're deceived and they think. This is the way to my blessing. And Abraham has to learn the hard way. We have to learn the hard way. But blessing follows obedience. And getting off of the path of faith will not bring blessing. Interesting also, God doesn't just give these three promises to Abraham. He then makes a comment and says, you will be a blessing. So this is like a transitional point. He's going to say, through you, there's going to be these three other blessings that come on the world. or three other interactions at least let's read about those it says in verse 3 i will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you i will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed all right three things i'm going to bless those who bless you i'm going to curse those who dishonor you and in you all the families of the earth that includes us will be blessed Do you see what's going on here You see, last week was cool because God flooded the whole earth and it was terrifying to think. But then with Noah, he became a mediator between us and God. And God says, I'm not going to judge the whole earth again yet because this one guy of faith, Noah, found favor in my sight. Your life exists because of Noah. But all Noah did was kind of keep the judgment of God away. Is that all we want? A world without judgment? No. How is salvation going to fill the world? Well, here comes Abraham. And God's like, there's this one guy, Abraham. And all the families of the earth, I'm going to send my blessing through him to you. And if you bless him, you will find the blessing. And if you don't, you won't. It's the only way, you will find this blessing. Hey, go to a kindergarten class and give one kid a Pez dispenser full of Pez. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to have a lot of friends by the end of that day. I'm the only one, (laughs) right? Listen, this is what's going on in scripture. God's like, I'm going to dispense salvation through one man of faith and all have to come and to claim it through him. Jot this down. Go believing firmly in His promises because blessing follows obedience, but also because salvation follows faith. Salvation follows faith. It would be sharing in the faith of Abraham and believing what God told Abraham that will lead us to salvation. It's His global agenda. Check out these verses. We'll put them on the screen. But Galatians 3, 8-9 to says this, And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Hey, I asked you this last week, but how were people saved in the Old Testament? By faith. How are people saved in the New Testament? By faith. Uh, Faith in what? Uh, Get this. Faith that there would be this Descendant of Abraham who would come through this nation God established who would open up a blessing of salvation to the entire world. Wow. So God's getting Abraham ready thousands of years before Christ to show everybody how God's going to save the world. And this nation that was promised to come from Abraham was Israel. And it would be from Abraham's descendants through the people of Israel, that the Christ child would come. Wow. Salvation follows faith. And Galatians 3.29 says this, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. How how can I know? How can I know that I'm going to spend forever and eternity with God? How can I know that this promised eternal blessing is mine? Only one way. It's, It's interesting that the Scripture says it this way. If you are his, if you belong to Christ, you are a descendant of Abraham, sharing his same faith, you will receive the promise made to him. It's the only way, the channel through which God will dispense salvation is a descendant of Abraham and those who share in his faith. Wow. Well, now the Old Testament, isn't this like, outdated book filled with folk tales and myths and legends and then finally god gets around to fixing something in the new testament wow he's getting this whole thing rigged up and ready in the old testament and then it's going to just come to life in the new wow how they're connected go when god calls by faith hey go believing firmly in his promises blessing and salvation both follow And then the third point is this, go filling God's presence with worship. Go filling God's presence with worship. Genesis 12.4, reading on, says this, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. They set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak at Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Go, filling God's presence with worship on the way. What a role model on the way to where God's leading. it. We are all on the way to where God's leading, which is heaven, and we're supposed to be filling His presence on the way, but there's also some special things He's going to do along the way. And while you wait... Abraham is a role model of worshiping along the way. And there's two nuances that we can draw out of this that really show us what a marvelous example he is. God showed up. How cool would that be? He just appeared. And he said something. He said to Abraham in verse 7, To your offspring I will give this land. Offspring, offspring, offspring. Does God not see that I don't have any children? Like I'm 75 years old? Does God offspring? But Abraham doesn't correct him yet. Eventually Abraham will correct the Lord and ask him about this. But God shows up and says to your offspring I'm going to give this land. And Abraham's like, I don't have any kids. But he just kind of listens and worships. But it's a major obstacle to what God just said. The 75-year-old guy with no kids and God just said he was going to give something to my kids. Huh. And in the chapter before this, it mentions that Sarah, his wife, was barren and it's the first time that this condition is mentioned in Scripture. It really stands out because God has commanded, fill the earth and subdue it. And then this one woman comes up, she can't even have kids. And it's like... Everybody around her must have wondered, hey, well, how come you can't fulfill what God has commanded of humanity? As if there's some sort of curse upon her. You know what's fascinating is God shows up and he says, I'm going to do something unprecedented with this problem. To your offspring, I'm going to give this land. I'll be back. And then he leaves. And Abraham is just sitting there wondering how it, it, it... That would be something that we would call impossible. You can jot this down. Fill God's presence with worship even when it sounds impossible. Okay, it's impossible because he's a 75-year-old guy. It's impossible because his wife is barren. It's, it's impossible because he gets there and there's already people living there. How Would you be... A little letdown if I was like, hey, I bought you a house. Here's the keys you can go to your house. And you're like, woo! And you go to the house and then you open the door and there's a whole family living in there. I neglected to tell you there's already someone living in the house, but I got it for you anyway. You'd be like, what kind of a gift is this? I can't even go in. That may be how Abraham was feeling. He went, I'm going, and then he's like, oh, people already live here. Huh. Well, I guess I'll just stay out on the outside in a tent. And then God's like, oh, I'm going to give it to your kids. <laughs> I became so confused. You said you were going to give it to me and you didn't, and then you're going to give it to my kid I don't have any Wow, what faith it took? Go filling God's presence with worship, even when it sounds impossible. What was Abraham being challenged to believe? Believe that I could bring life miraculously into the world i'm going to challenge you abraham to believe in a miracle child through whom i will bring a blessing to the world what does that sound like he he'd never even been to a christmas eve service christmas hadn't happened yet he doesn't know about the little baby that we all you know the miracle child who would eventually he doesn't know any of that yet all he knows is he's got to believe god's going to bring a miracle baby through which the world will be blessed Wow, how the Old Testament is lining up with the New. How consistent God's plan is throughout. His faith was the beginning of our faith. Hey, let me ask you this. Which of God's promises as found in His Word are you currently having a hard time believing? I mean, the word you might use is impossible. Is it? You're afraid God can't provide for you as He promised He would in His Word? Are you afraid that if you trust Him and step out by faith and honor Him that God will not be able to meet your needs? And you don't understand the economy. You don't understand my field. You don't understand what's happened. Hey, Hey, God promised, right? And it may seem impossible, but that's where faith comes in. Is it God's promise to protect you? Oh, you don't understand. I mean, I'm doing great. My I've got, but I just have no security. These people are out to get me, or you know, or you have no idea what my spouse is plotting. You have no idea how awful this relationship has gotten. Wait a minute. Do you do you not believe that God can protect you? Do you not believe that He can be your advocate? That He already knows everything that's going on behind the scenes, so you don't have to obsess over it. Do you believe that, even though it seems impossible? What about God's promise to give you peace in the midst of a trial he refuses to end? Do you trust that he can actually give you peace through it that you can't manufacture on your own? Sometimes Jesus would come to people as he was about to do something impossible. And like, he could just like snap his fingers and make all your problems go away, right? But he'd come up to you and he'd be like, all right, Mike, there's just one thing I'm going to do for you, okay? Then he'd, he'd pause just for a moment, right? And he'd say, do you believe I'm able to do this? Now, why would he pause? He could do it, right? Why would he do that? Why would he pause and ask you a little question, pop quiz? Do you believe I'm able to do this? It's because the thing he's going to do is less important to him than the faith he finds in you, right? And the thing he's going to do in your life is far less important to him than the faith he's growing in the process. And maybe right now, God, the burning question he's placing on your heart is, do you even believe I am able to do this? And what's funny is we already believe that God made a miracle baby. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross and came back from the dead. And we believe all these things and it's something far lesser that we're like, oh, but I don't know if he can do this. Go, filling God's presence with worship, even when it sounds impossible. Time and again, Abraham would draw near to the Lord. The Lord would appear to him on the road of faith. And then Abraham would respond in worship. and Even if God didn't appear, Abraham would call out, testify of his faith in the Lord and worship the Lord with a grateful heart while he waited for the impossible to happen. We see this. You can drop this final point down. Hey, fill God's presence with worship because God will be with you. He shows it. He will be with you. And here we are now. All our hopes as a world, all our hopes of salvation coming to humanity, all our hopes of a world not filled with God's judgment now lie with Abraham, an old man, and his wife who can't have kids. In contrast to a world flooded with water and wrath, God now promised all of us a world full of salvation. But we have to wait until next week to begin to see how God brings this plan to light. Let me ask you a question before we close in prayer. Is the Lord asking you to embark by faith to a future filled with uncertainty? I believe He is. I believe there's some in this room and you're here to hear this message that God wants you to go even though you don't know where you're going. Or maybe this... Is there a promise that God wants you to claim even though it currently at the moment seems impossible that He'll do what He has promised? Or maybe finally, you listen this morning and you hear that God determined to send His blessing through one person, one descendant of one man of faith. And now you learn that that person is Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken the very first step of faith? Have you ever been called out of darkness into the kingdom of the Son who God loves? Have you ever become a citizen of heaven? Hey, if that's never happened, if you are not Christ's belonging to Him, maybe that's what God is calling you to this morning. Maybe the Lord is calling you unto salvation right now. Well, why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and lift these responses up to the Lord in faith. Let's bow and let's pray. Father, I think of those right now, you are calling them to something and they have no idea what's coming. But you've made it clear. You've made your call clear. Father, give them courage to step out by faith. And then give them a story to tell. Lord, I think of those whose faith is faltering. Maybe like Peter, they got out of the boat at your voice They're sinking. Father, they're having a hard time trusting what they already believe. And I just pray that you would help them to peel their fingers off of the steering wheel and to just sit down and relax to let you lead. May they do nothing rash. May they do nothing unbiblical. May they simply trust you. Father, I think even more of those who... Perhaps this morning their eyes have been opened to the reality that they simply are not saved. They've never laid claim to the promise by faith that Jesus Christ alone has eternal life to give as a gift. Right now, they may want to call out to you, praying this in their own hearts. Father, I accept that I am a sinner. I agree that I cannot earn my own salvation. Here and now, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. was buried and he rose again. He's seated now at the right hand of you on high. and I ask for forgiveness. I ask for eternal life. Father, I do pray that those who call out to you for salvation would have the courage to do the very first thing you ask of Christians, to be baptized. Lord, may they desire to be the first one next week telling their story of how you saved them, transferred their citizenship to heaven. Give them that courage and that peace to know that they are right with you through faith in Christ. And I pray this all in Jesus' name.